And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 260 of This Old Marketing, recorded on Thursday, February 24th, 2021. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who didn't flee to Cancun, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? Although I, I would like to. I would like to well, absolutely wouldn't we all? be there. Wouldn't, wouldn't we all? I'm cold. Right? Go. I, was not, <laughs> I was not built for this type of cold. Although, yesterday in Cleveland, Ohio, it did hit 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Ah, well, that's, which, there you it, go. I, I, like I've heard. It felt like 90. Yeah. I've heard that 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 it, it's it seems to be breaking for most of the country. It seems to be getting back to some level of of normal. By the way, before you get hate email, it's the twenty fifth of February, not the twenty fourth. So, oh, which is fine. Yeah, well, which is if somebody sends me hate email for getting the date one day wrong, then you and I yeah. have received hate email for far less <laughs> than us getting. That's true. It's kind of, yeah, that it's is kind true. of the normal thing when somebody sends me something that they're just like, either, why are you talking about football so much? Or, yeah, you have a stupid take. That, well, yeah. I mean, that one's the, <laughs> that's, that, that's the, yeah, that's the more common one. That's that. So, my take on the date is that it's actually February 24th. It's been a busy week for me. I will tell you, were you crazy. that. Well, it, as we record this, it's, I don't know what is it three thirty in the morning your time I don't even know. Uh, it is early it is early here yes it's uh, six in the morning basically and the reason we're doing that is because both you and I are speaking at uh, Digital Summit which is virtual they're calling it Digital Summit at Home uh, this uh, this month this week I guess and you're a keynote of course because why wouldn't you be um, and. <laughs> Uh, I have a lowly session that I'll be doing after you, but it basically takes up our whole day. I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's you know, the way you got to show up for tech check and be early and then answer Q&A like and do all that. Event. It's like, but sort of, yeah, sort of. Doesn't Digital <laughs> Summit at home, doesn't it, it, I feel like I need to be on a recliner or a sofa bed. It, uh, you would think it, it yes. seems weird, like I'm like almost like you're going to present in an IKEA or something. It just feels odd to me, but it it, it does it does it, it's it's yeah it, it's um, at home with Robert Rose. Well, you know here here's funny thing I I I find that uh, all of these conferences, you know, it's a little odd. Right. It's just a little odd. And and by the way, there are tons of, you know, I mean, you and I are both members of speaker groups on, yep. you know, private groups on Facebook and elsewhere. And and this is something that many speakers uh, talk to, which is this the weirdness of, well, is it better to if you're going to be a keynote or a session speaker at a conference, do you do it all up with the green screen and make it look like you're in a theater and make it, you know, and bring in music and lights and sounds and, you know, all that kind of stuff and, you know, act like a, you know, Daft Punk DJ kind of thing. Or do you literally, like you're talking about, sit on a couch and have it be, you know, very intimate, good lighting and feel like you're on a thing or quite frankly, hold a Facebook phone up to your face. And, there's pros and cons with all of that, but it's 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 really interesting to me the different sort of takes uh, that um, that uh, that people have on that. Now, I, I, not to name drop Clubhouse or anything, because which we should talk about we should. in a minute. We, but, we absolutely um, should. Yeah, but um, uh, but I was on this Clubhouse talking about this very thing with a group of speakers, and uh, Mitch Joel was on there, and Ann Hanley was on there, and 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 some other speakers, and and. Uh, they brought me up to the stage to talk about this, and, and and there was a really interesting conversation about those. There's one speaker, and I'm forgetting his name, forgive me, um, who literally, for his keynotes, he's got a theater sort of rented out, and he hires a crew and goes in and does his talk in these theaters and makes it like a late night talk show, and it's brilliant. It's 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 really cool. It but for me, I'm like, well, no, I'm not going to do that. I mean. It doesn't feel right, right? But 
uh, you know, it, it's a, it's just very interesting. This whole, how the at home conference is evolving with uh, the different kinds of you know video that you put up. I, I'm I'm torn. I want to. I just want to be me, right? I want to be. What, yeah, what would exactly. I, how? What's the setting that makes uh, me comfortable? The audience comfortable? And basically, it's just my office. I think you do the same thing. It's just you know, I got the microphone. most of the time. Yeah, yeah I just got the microphone yeah. in front of me. I mean, we've had to do some special things, and I've had to send a couple things off Reddit. Well, for the content marketing keynote, that was obviously I went into a studio for that one, but that's different. And I wanted to I wanted to do something special for that. But like today's. I'm in my normal environment. I've got my John Wick uh, Funko Pop behind me. You know, the really important things. Lego. Yes. Lego bricks. Some people know that I'm a geek. Hamilton. All that kind of stuff. So, but what we should talk about is you and I are trying to figure out this Clubhouse thing. So That's right. And for those of you that aren't aware, Clubhouse is the social audio app, I guess you would call it. And... It's taken off. It's hard to believe. 10 million, over 10 million users already. We just talked about it a couple weeks ago. They had one. Yeah. But we're going to do a session. We decided it's going... What time did we decide? I can't even We we decided on next Wednesday. It's next Wednesday, March 3rd, uh, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Yes, uh, Eastern, and I believe 6 p.m. in Europe. Depending um, on where you're, where you're at. G, well, yeah, Europe GMT, as they say. Zone. Yeah, right. I know they're not all one. <laughs> I, Anyways, Lord, you and I, I, it's not February 25th there either. Yeah, yes, exactly. I, I so get it. Wednesday, March 3rd on your calendar, uh, Clubhouse with Robert and Joe. If you feel like it. If you feel like it. Right. Basically, we're going to talk about media acquisitions. <laughs> If you're a media company, you don't get enough of us already. <laughs> if you are a media company and you and or if you are, want to get purchased and you have a media property, or if you want to purchase a property, we're going to talk about some of the dynamics and some of the things going on there. And you and I are going to talk for thirty minutes, and then we'll open it up for Q and A to the five people that are there, and we'll have a good time. You know? Yeah, we will indeed. It should it should be we, it should be fun? Pleasant. I mean, it's good. You know, we're uh, you know, it'll, it'll be a fun conversation, and 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 we'll get the chance to do some Q and A, which is always that's my favorite part. It's it's honestly getting to chat with people is is really do you is think, really do you the think fun Clubhouse part. has staying power? I don't, but I you know I'm definitely in the minority in that. I I I, I yeah I just don't. I do, I mean I look I think the format does. But you think, think the, the cl- I, you think that uh, Twitter Spaces is going to rule out? What, what? I, I don't know, but I don't it's think early. it's going to be I mean, Clubhouse that wins. Yeah, for this this thing, so yeah. it could end up like MySpace. But it it seems like they are running on all cylinders right now, and they're building the communities the right way. And if you're picky enough, and you really know, you kind of figure it out after a couple of weeks, you start to see some of the sessions that you'd actually want to go to. Instead of just like, do the hustle, man, make one million right. in four hours. That's right. That's right. Well, what I think is going to be interesting, and here's the startup opportunity. Um, you know, not that we would ever advocate building your house on rented land, but the 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 startup opportunity is going to be the company or startup gang. You know, because it wouldn't last long, to be honest. It's a very short little adventure who puts together sort of the, the direct TV cable guide for Clubhouse um, and, and really makes it searchable and easy to find the content you're looking for and somebody who combines it with the ability to record. In other words, you know, th- you, know you could somehow there's a plug. I don't know what it is. It's a plug-in. It's a something where it becomes archived don't you where think you can go back. They're going to add that. I, I got to hope that they would, because that to me is the, that to me, that's the Achilles heel of the whole thing. Is that, you know, I get the whole FOMO thing for a growth engine. You and I have talked about this before, about how event-based marketing tends to be um, a, a great way to go when you start marketing content like that. You know, it, it basically, if you miss it, you miss it. So you better show up. Um, so that's the whole you know, that's the whole value proposition right now with Clubhouse is that, you know, you have to be on there to make sure that you don't miss the great conversation with Gary Vaynerchuk talking about the the hustle, you know, but 
you know, so does it kill it to have an archive? I, I don't think so. I think it adds to the experience to be able to, for me to go, hey, what did I miss on Clubhouse this week, right? Oh, I want to go back and watch that, you know, or list, rather listen to that, 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 that conversation on, you know, startups or SPACs or whatever it is, right? Well, that's my issue right now because we were talking before we started that I'm, I'm doing my uh, Content Inc. book tour on Clubhouse, and I'm trying to figure out how that's going to work. <laughs> you're, you're so hip. You're so hip. I, hey, man. Such, I don't know of anybody who's guy. done a book tour on Clubhouse. Uh, I, that's just what I'm and saying. I'm, you're so hip. I don't know. It's hip. It's hip. You're Pep. so cool, John. Uh, but the one, He's doing his book tour on The Clubhouse. one thing that's missing, and I know I can do the setup like Mitch Joel does and get it all recorded, but that's the thing I would like. I want to record all these, at least well, for you posterity. Can. You, you can. No, but it, they don't. you can't do it directly in the app, and that's what I want. I want to do right. it like, uh, oh, like one of the podcast apps where you can just hit it, and then after it's done, the, you know, it'll send the creator. You know, as long as you're a creator... Of the the room, I think you should be able to record it on the app, which I think they're going to get there. But what do I know? Yeah, yeah. I you know I I think you're. Uh, yeah, I think I think I don't know if they're going to add it or not, but but they should they should add it. I think if if for no other reason than for you know, and I also think the the crowds are going to um, are going to you know affect it right. In other words, and we talked about this before about how big, uh, you know, how your feed is determined by the content that your followers or that you follow yep. consume rather than they create. And so that creator class is so small, you know, the number of people like us two chuckleheads who are actually creating content for, you know, because uh, for example, I look at my feed and I follow, I think at this point, I don't know, a couple hundred people or something. Um, and it's you know it's nonstop, and but the 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 num the names of the content creators are all the same, right? It's the same people creating more. You know, basically, it's the same. I would guess of of my couple of hundred uh, followers, or excuse me, my, the people I follow. You know, it's the it's the same seven or ten people creating content all the time. I see a lot of that going on. But yeah. I, what I'm really interested in, and we can wrap this up, or that we yeah, can, this is, could be the clubhouse episode. <laughs> let's not. Let's not. Let's definitely. I'm not. interested to see when it <laughs> launches on Android, which I've heard. Well, yeah, days. I've heard it's coming. Yeah, I've heard that's coming. So that's uh, that's going to be a big deal. So right now you have 10 million iPhone users or people that are borrowing an iPhone, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. Bill Gates apparently did when he was on Clubhouse. So. You know, we'll we'll see where that goes. But I, you know, I like the I like the potential. I'm willing to try something new. What I yeah, probably more I, than anything, yeah. I'm keeping an open mind. I don't have to put a clean shirt on and look halfway presentable. I just have to make sure that I'm not choking to death and they can hear my voice. So I like that part of it. I'm I was zoomed yeah. out. I don't want to be on Zoom anymore. No, I, that's, that's we definitely podcast, true. Yeah. We don't look at each other. We no, absolutely have. not. Absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah, absolutely not. There's, Preservation yeah. sake. Yeah, exactly. I got a face for radio. That's <laughs> okay, let's, let's move on to our news because it's not about Clubhouse. Uh, it is, of course, uh, continuing the story that we broke. Um, yeah, it was really us that broke it. Let's be honest. Oh yeah, we, we um, did. Did I loved? See, you didn't. You didn't think it was that funny. Our title of last week's yes, episode was that's "Facebook right. Invades Australia," which I thought. Yeah, it was good. No, was it was good. But whatever. It's good. It's good. Well, the headline here that uh, I loved that I cleverly wrote for our little in-show notes is that Facebook wins Australian rules hardball, um, which uh, <laughs> only the only the Australians will really appreciate. Um, anyway, so the uh, article that we'll cover comes to us from Axios, although we are going to pair it with an article from Deadline.com as well, which is really interesting, yep. and we'll cover that in just a second. Mm -hmm. um, the Axios article starts up by saying, one big thing, Facebook wins the news deal down under. Uh, my headline being much better than Axios's headline. Uh, Facebook has struck a deal with Australian lawmakers to pay local publishers for their news content after the government agreed to change its new media code. Uh, Axios continues by saying the agreement ends Facebook's temporary ban on sharing 
sharing news links on its platform in the country. It also ends Facebook's global ban on users sharing links to Australian news publishers. Data showed that the link sharing ban caused news traffic to plummet in the region. While the law was intended to benefit publishers, the days following Facebook's link ban showed that if the tech giant refused to comply with the law and instead opted to leave the country, it could have been very problematic for local news firms that rely on Facebook for traffic. Uh, the article it basically ends there. It's a very short, uh, short. It's an Axios uh, article. On the details. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's an Axios yeah. article. So uh, should we just jump into the deadline thing, or do you want to talk about that first? Well, uh, we look. We, we let's talk about this real briefly. Yeah. First of all, kudos to you. You, I mean, you totally called it that yeah. Facebook was going to get exactly on their terms. But what I was surprised with, it sounds like they maybe opted out of these amend- government amendments altogether. So. This is really unbelievable how much power Facebook just... I mean, that was a power play. Really, I mean, I don't know if it was a power play. They they did, used a little bit of their power to do this, and they got They every, knew exactly what they were doing. They they knew ex- as we talked about last week, they knew exactly and what they were doing. And this is the same thing that happened with Google when, you know, we've talked about yeah. this many times. And when, when I when we had just, just, well, 2005, 2006, we had our initial meetings with Google, and all the publishers were worried and that we would give too much power to Google. Well, that happened. And publishers would scream bloody murder if Google shut off the feeds because they rely on a search engine like Google. Now the same thing has happened, as we know, with Facebook. And these publishers have just, you know, they made their beds in Facebook. And here we are. Here we are. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, as the Indiana Jones uh, and the Last Crusade quote goes, they chose poorly. Um they did. I mean, the government did not play this well. No. They did not play. They did not play their hand well here. How at they? All. How did they not see this kind of thing coming? How did somebody well, in the room and how not did they, say, right. "Look, Facebook, if they if they turn the switch on us, we're in deep trouble." Right. That's right. And 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 how you know how did they walk into the room like you know uh, that they had all of the you know all of the power. And sort of start throwing their weight around, and 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 you know, and, and have Facebook turn around and go, mm, no, I don't think that's going to work for us, and basically say no. And how do you not know that? Yeah, how do you not think that of what you would do in that case, right? I mean, other than to simply cave, right? Yeah, you know, basically let them have yeah, what they wanted, which, which is pretty much what they did. No, I sent out my uh, random newsletter this morning and. I have a whole section that says why I love Facebook and the reason and I put underneath it, it's, it's similar to what we're talking about here. I love Facebook because it reminds us as marketers not to build your content house on rented land. I mean, how many of these reminders do we need? If you are a marketer and you have a, if something of your marketing goals are tied to Facebook outside of advertising, you got a problem. And, and just and insert any company, well, Facebook, LinkedIn, well, yeah. Twitter, all of them. There's no problem. The with data them. shows it, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. The data show it, right? You know, when you, when you, when you, I mean, and the, the Axios article actually has a graph where it shows the, 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 the level uh, of decrease in traffic. Oh my God, to the, it's unbelievable. You know, it's unbelievable. And so, you know, you, you, you live by the sword and you die by the sword um, you know, you chase those audiences to those places and, you know, it, it, you know, and, and there's a lot of this, I, I get that this is, you know, a, 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 an effort, you know, that their audiences are sharing their news stories on Facebook and they're getting traffic from it. But in many ways, what has happened here is publishers relying on Facebook to share their traffic, That's building right. presences, sharing their own news, which gets shared and shared and shared. And, you know, I think it was, um, gosh, was it, uh, it was a copy blogger. Um, wasn't it copy blogger who came out about, oh, I want to say it was like seven years ago, six, seven years ago. And Brian said, Hey, we're not gonna, you know, we're not going to have, we're not, we're not going to have a Facebook page. That's anymore. Right. We're I not, sharing, Brian, you know, yeah, we're not going to, was one of the ones that took a stand. Yeah. 
And yeah, and said we're not going to share our stuff on Facebook. If you know, we're going to have the buttons on our story, on our stories, on our site. If you want to yeah, share, share it, it from, with your audience, but we're not going to exactly. have a presence there. Exactly, and so, and, and I think they're probably better off for it. And you know, seven years later, well, six years later, whatever. Well, regardless yeah. of that, I love the strategy of fear any business, but media companies especially pick the ones that that suits you. Like you don't have yeah. to have. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest. You don't have to have channels on those. You can of course you want your secondary audience to share them. I mean, that's really your influencers to share these. That's great, but you don't have to have a presence there. So pick one. If it's Twitter yeah. or LinkedIn or just Twitter or I just don't like Facebook, but you should yeah. read the read the second article because that's where. So yeah, so this is, so this sort of segues nicely into the second article that we'll put into the show notes, which is from Deadline, which is uh, Facebook doing the you know Fortnite victory dance, <laughs> basically uh, in the end zone, as it were. Do, do your kids play Fortnite? Uh, they know, have, you know? have played it. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. They'll know what I what 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 we mean there yep. with the Fortnite dance. Um, <clears throat> so Facebook uh, to invest one billion dollars with a B Beating in the news industry. Dollars. Yeah. Over three years, slams publishers for demanding blank check to help ailing businesses. So again, in a completely designed strategy here. Uh, Facebook, after they sort of spiked the ball in the end zone with Australia, comes out and says, and as the article opens up, Facebook will invest $1 billion in the global news industry over the next three years, but came out swinging on Wednesday over its news blackout of Australia, which it reversed yesterday after Aussie law- lawmakers agreed to modify a proposed law. In a blog post entitled The Real Story of What Happened with News on Facebook in Australia, a very creative headline there, uh, VP of Global Affairs Nick Clegg uh, blamed media conglomerates for trying to squeeze on Facebook to make up for losses created by the shift of advertising from print to digital that disrupted the economics of the news business. Facebook, Google, and Amazon, says the story, make up about two-thirds of total U.S. digital ad spending. The quote from Clegg says, the news industry was forced to adapt. Some have made this transition to the online world successfully, while others have struggled. It is understandable that some media conglomerates see Facebook as a potential source of money to make up for their losses, but does that mean they should be able to demand a blank check, he said? It's like forcing car makers to fund radio stations because people might listen to them in the car and letting the station set the price, said Clegg as he lashed out. Um... Yeah, that last metaphor is not right. No, <laughs> at I, all. I didn't. I, I had to read. I'm yeah. like, is that what? <clears throat> but well, it's like you know. So no, it, it it's it, it's like this. It's like every time you get in the car, and in order to actually drive the car, you have to listen to all the radio stations. And the car makers make money from you listening to all the radio stations. So you might argue that the radio stations shouldn't get to set the price, but it's a stretch to say they shouldn't get paid at all. Um, it's, uh, it's a little different, right? It, you know, if I got in my car and, and in order to put it in a drive, I had to start to listen to all of the commercials on all of the radio stations, then yeah, it's, and the car makers got paid for that. I'd, I'd be a little, I'd be a little upset too, if I was the radio station. So do you think that Facebook should be paying the publishers? Not necessarily, um, you know, because I see the argument that says basically they're getting traffic. You know, this is it's sort of a it's sort of a, you know, you may like you said, right? They made their bed, right? They they they, despite you know, I mean, look, it's it's it was a little tempting, you know, to to see all of the audiences aggregating on Facebook and say we can do that, we can put all of our new, we can really focus in on social media as a distribution network for our news content. And enjoy the luxury of all the traffic, um, which, by the way, isn't, you know, the, 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 the number of people who click through is much smaller than actually just read the, you know, the, the lead of the story, which is typically available in the, you know, the lead of the story in the main image the, is, you know, it's going to be small depending on the, the, how you measure reach, right? Mm-hmm. And so if I can just put ads around the the lead and the and the uh, you know and the, basically the front page, it just replaces the front page, right? So now all of my news stories appear on the front page of somebody else who's making money out of putting contextually putting ads there, 
And yeah, I'm going to get traffic. And and because I'm going to do this in a successful way, because I'm creative and the way I write my leads gets people to click through and I'm going to start to depend on that traffic. It's my own damn fault, quite honestly, when I become so dependent on it yep. that I go, help me. And so, but... It, it, in in a way, it's almost like you know none of us knew what the hell we were doing when we started all of this stuff, and so for Facebook to argue that it's you know oh you know hand to brow that it's oh it's a poor Facebook it's so hard for us because we're giving you traffic and we're we're doing all this work for you and and we're the car maker and we're making everything happen for you know it's like it's a little it's a little rich I think is 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 all my point. Well, is. nobody yeah nobody should ever say poor. Facebook yeah. with their yeah. uh, three quarters of a trillion dollar valuation yeah. that they're yeah. doing. I think that uh, you're right. I think that's the thing we forget is nobody knew it was going to happening just like in the days of search engine. We're just all trying to right. figure this out. We're, we're early days. But I believe that Facebook should invest in journalistic content because it's in their best interest to do so because they have a content product and they want that content product to be good and if they support the news and whatever that's fantastic should they be forced to no never they should not be forced to pay any no. media company right. or publisher because those those media business models are broken well this is and this is i you know we talked a little bit about this last week this was my point where i when i said that both have really failed here yep. right so the publishers have failed by you know, sort of continuing on the main line of, you know, traffic that they were getting from social media. The government failed here by sort of <laughs> really underestimating their leverage that they had here. Mm -hmm. And and Facebook has failed by not leveraging this as a true brand trust and uh, wonderful way to sort of, um, you know, at some cost basically become the trusted source, right? This is, you know, now people have a, you know, cynical view d independent of which side you fell on. People are like, this is, a, you know, they have a very cynical view of, of, of Facebook and their position when it comes to journalism. And so they had every opportunity here to, to do the right thing, and they didn't, and still haven't, as far as I'm concerned, with regard to, you know, monitoring facts and, yep. and bad content and, and, you know, conspiracy theories and all that stuff. That's a whole separate issue. But I just think it's a huge missed opportunity for Facebook to become truly trusted when it comes to this stuff and, and really, and obviously pay for that idea. This now, you know, a billion, we're going to invest a billion dollars into the news industry over three years feels like a very snarky, na 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 you know, sort of thing. It's like, you know, I, I, it's just it puts a really bad taste in the mouth of content creators and should rightfully so. And but I think through all of this, you're seeing this movement or an opportunity toward uh, niche media properties, because I think people right now are looking for what are the two or three outlets I want to go to on a regular basis to get my information about whatever it is. Yeah. They don't. Yeah, want to well, go to they don't. I don't think they want to go to Facebook for that anymore. Yeah, I think they want to go know, and say, okay, I'm going to get this e-newsletter, I'm going to get this feed, I'm going to be in this Discord group, and I feel good about my choices because I don't trust these other entities. This episode of This Old Marketing is sponsored by Accessibi. If we were to ask you, what percentage of websites are accessible, meaning fully usable for people with disabilities, what would your answer be? If your answer would be 3% or more, then you'd be wrong. Even though web accessibility is required by law under the Americans with Disabilities Act, and even though it makes very little business sense to exclude one in four adult Americans from accessing your website, yes, according to the CDC, more than 60 million Americans live with some form of disability. And even though it is the right thing to do, 98% of SMB web pages failed to provide full accessibility. People with disabilities should get the same access to the internet as the rest of us. And we're pretty sure no one can argue with that. Accessibi, the company that conducted the research we just mentioned, offers an automated AI-based accessibility solution and ongoing monitoring for websites of all sizes. Hands-free, 
affordable and everlasting, ensuring your website is always accessible for people with disabilities and protecting you from legal action. Go to accessibe.com or run an accessibility test on your website at ace.accessibility.com. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I mean, that's the topic of we'll get to rants and raves later obviously, but yeah. that's the that's the real that's the real warning sign for for the rant that I'll talk about in a little bit. I can't wait. Let's All just right. let's just go right to the rants. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. What do we got next? Well, next what we got is a very interesting story. This is one that we covered, gosh, I want to say it was a year or two I think ago. The summer. It, yeah, it, it was yeah. a while back. Anyway, the 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 article that we'll cover and put into the show notes comes to us courtesy of Marketing Dive. Um, again, great site by the way. It's just a just a really good good source these days of good marketing information. Uh, and the headline is Macy's. You remember Macy's? They used to have a parade on Thanksgiving in some stores. <laughs> I heard uh, they tout new media network, which is already generating thirty five million dollars annually. Uh, The article goes on to start by saying, Macy's in August launched a media network that looks to generate an additional source of income for the department store retailer by selling ads to brands, executives said on a call discussing fourth quarter results with analysts. The Macy's media network has already brought in more than $35 million. Speaking to analyst chief executive Jeff Jeanette, build the service as a new fashion and beauty publishing model. An in-house advertising team runs the platform, which offers formats like sponsored product, website display, and physical media ads. Uh, Macy's Media Network combines the company's existing loyalty capabilities through its Star Wars loyalty program with digital advertising, a strategy that falls in line with how other retailers are trying to capitalize on the marketing gold rush for first-party shopper data. And then basically it goes on to provide some insight into that and a point of view a bit and also note that this is something that has been uh, done by other brick-and-mortar retailers, including Walmart, Target, Kroger, CVS, and Walgreens. And I think it was CVS that we actually covered uh, um, in, the, in the summer that yeah. when they launched theirs. Um, the key, and then I want to get your take on this, Joe, is that they talk about this closed-loop analysis um, that basically says uh, the Macy's Media Network can generate and show uh, online and in-store sales for your business um, and all of the first-party data and insight that that provides because they have, of course, the entire closed-loop um, function there, which is a really interesting uh, differentiator when it comes to if I'm an advertiser where I'm putting my ads, uh, especially in a world of GDPR and, and all mm-hmm. those kinds of things. Um, and so what say you? Uh, what's, what say you to Macy's little... Uh, growth industry. Well, here. I think this could be bigger than it is. And I think right now, if I'm looking at, I see it as distribution plus promotion opportunity. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, well, you're all, you know, we're a retailer, you're a manufacturer, we are going to give you additional promotion. We can track that promotion and show that if you invest X more dollars with, with me, you know, here's your ROI. Great. There's a lot of companies can do that. Macy's can do it. I think the, the most important part of this story that I think if they really push the strategy could be big win for them and they could actually resurrect the Macy's brand if it were. I love them. They're niching into uh, beauty and fashion. And I think yep. that if they do this right, they stop selling all the other stuff that they're selling and go into heavy in, back into or into mostly this idea of beauty and fashion. And if they do that, so let's say that they're going to do this and they become the experts in that and they take this media network to the next phase. They have this robust digital engine that will work for them. And then I think what what they do is they look at the retail outlets and they get rid of They can sell a lot of that re- real estate space for money and consolidate into more of, I would say, more of the Apple feel. You know, you go in and if you're just going in for beauty and fashion, you're going in for this brand experience around Macy's, which right now is not there. You're going in, you're in a big old store, just like Sears used to be, if if there's any Sears left. So I think if they go this direction, this digital first 
content first partner with uh with your uh manufacturers i think can really be a win for them uh, so i'd like i i think we're just looking at step one of them completely changing their business model i think you're absolutely right and you know when i look at this i see you know an opportunity here uh for them because so you know so you look at all right who else would do this right who else might take a shot at this right so you think of Let's, let's stick with beauty and fashion. You might have L'Oreal, for example, right? And we've talked mm-hmm. about L'Oreal before. They're, they're a classic case study with their acquisition of makeup.com um, and launching some of the apps that they've launched, et cetera, and you know, driving in content marketing types of programs by saying, hey, listen, you go to makeup.com, you learn how to put on makeup, you watch the videos, you do the tutorials, and oh, by the way, there's, you know, links here to buy product. And interestingly, what I see out into the marketplace is those big companies still struggling with this, right? They're still struggling with making their business case because they're not, now you have some brands Adidas being a great one that, uh, of an example, right? Their acquisition of Runtastic, which was the you know revenue generating app, uh, the fitness app, et cetera, et cetera. And now they own that, and the, and it's become a big part of their marketing integrated marketing package. And you see some Nike doing this, of course, as Nike's doing whatever it does. Um, but you look at other fashion brands, big fashion brands, big you know beauty brands, and they're not they're not really running to this model. They're not really running to this media model to become, as you called it, a distribution and promotion type of play. And I think Macy's has an opportunity here to take what is really a classic business model of the department store and really build in a media and distribution and promotion model here, which is really all a department store is, quite frankly, is distribution and promotion, yep. but but change it to a digital media perspective instead of a retail perspective. I it's love the, that. You know, yeah. you know, it's just it's just aligning under either the Macy's brand or other brands that they they would acquire. So, you know, you could break it up like is, Huffington Post. I mean, you really uh, could yeah. have Macy's online and you have the, you know, electronics you ha- and they're all they're all driven with this content first mentality, building audiences online in each of those niche channels. Exactly. I mean, this is this is BuzzFeed, right? Yep. I mean, this is what BuzzFeed is doing with their Tasty brand, right? They're 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 sort of building a ecosystem of of media channels that also serve as affiliate links, but also serve as e-commerce links. And once you're in the BuzzFeed ecosystem, you kind of stay there if you're going to buy cookware or cookbooks or anything that has to do with the products they offer these days. And by the way, and they offer them through Walmart and offer them through, you know, those, those other areas. So it's, you know, can Macy's go out and create another Glossier? You know, yes. There's no reason why they couldn't. They just need to find the right now, as you would call it, the Content Inc. blogger who's doing really interesting things in the fashion and beauty and start to, you know, start to make those acquisitions and start to build that media network. I, it's a huge opportunity for them. I wonder if they'll do it. And we, and we make it sound like it's easy. It's not, this is not an it's easy not decision. Easy. They're, it's they're, not easy decision. They're a legacy yeah. company. They've been around a long, long time. But the assets But they have they a storied have, brand. They have, they have a, story. a they yeah. have a storied brand. And this is the this is the value, right? Right now, in this moment, this having a storied brand is the it, it, one that's recognizable and trusted is the key to all of this, right? You know, tomorrow, if Macy's launches, you know, a you know the same blog that you and I would launch, Macy's has you know a thousand x the 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 reach, the trust. That, that you or I do with consumers on this particular topic. And so it, it immediately makes it much more valuable. And so th- it's literally just finding the right, you know, properties to and, and experimenting, quite frankly, with a number of them and starting to build it, right? It's just, but you're right, it's not cheap and it's not, you know, it's not for the faint of heart, but at this point, I'm not sure what Macy's has to lose. Well, and the other thing is, I know they did make money last quarter, even though same store sales were down, I think 17, percent but online sales were up 21. percent That's so, right. I mean, obviously, going go. the, almost doing a New York Times thing, they're going in the right direction. But 
I I would love I would love to see them try this. I would absolutely love to see them experiment and and make something happen and completely change that yeah. model. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. They, well, and I mean, by the way, money, by the way, money is cheap right now. I mean, if they yeah. wanted to go and borrow, uh, let's say they wanted to go borrow a billion dollars, it cost them almost nothing today. I mean, I hate to say it like that, but it is. I mean, you see companies across the board that are taking out all kinds of loans because the cost of money is near zero. So yeah. they can now would be the time to invest in it if you're going to do it. That's right, that's right. And it and and but just to just to put some time pressure to this, there are companies that are moving. You know, oh, yeah. the, there is a very strong a direct to consumer, yeah, direct to consumer efforts going on in the manufacturing space, in the durables space, um, where it's like. You know what? I'm not going to rely on Home Depot or Lowe's or Walmart or you know whatever retail big box store to be my only distribution channel for you know now that you know and COVID has really accelerated a lot of these changes. Which is, you know what? I, I we can do this. We, you know, building a pick, pack, and ship you know thing is you know we have to remember that. Technology has not only dem- democratized distribution of content, it's also democratized distribution of product. And so, you know, setting up new pick, pack, and ship and curbside pickup and all of those kinds of things used to be really hard and really expensive for these manufacturers. And so they didn't do it. They just bet, they just went, oh, retailers, do that, yeah. right? But now it's just as easy for them to start their own pick, pack and ship and, and quite frankly, you know, delivery network and, you know, and, and ship it out as on demand as they need to, you you buy a washing machine or you buy a blender or, you know, you buy whatever it's going to be and they can take care of the full value chain. And, and, you know, because they, you know, you buy it on their website and you tell them where you live and it goes to one of their distribution centers, which they already have, by the way, to be able to fuel the retail big box stores. The distribution center now just takes over the, you know, put it into a truck and drive it to your house or come pick it up in the parking lot. It's, 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 it's pretty, you know, well, we talked about, yeah, yeah. we talked about Mr. Beast launching 400 burger joints simultaneously. I mean, that is unbelievable. And by the way, I hear they're doing very, very well, but, you know, basically no infrastructure associated right. with that. Done. Uh, I mean, it's just the whole thing is brilliant. Of course, that's an audience first product second model that happens yes. to be working very well. So, whatever. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Next story that we're going to cover here comes to us from what's new. And pu- every time I see what's new in publishing, I have to. T- t- if, you know what I think of? What? Do you know the Saturday Night Live bit? What's up with that? Yes, I do. <laughs> what's up with that? <laughs> I, every time I see what's new in publishing, I always think of Keenan uh, basically doing the <laughs> what's up. Well, the, but anyway, the, the WNIP it, it looks like a, you know a twenty year old logo from your local yeah. radio station. Uh, it's I really you know, and I love you and I both love this what they're doing. It's a great site. I'm not it's a, a big, great fan site. Of, the, of the logo, but no, the, the branding good. needs a little work. Yeah. But the content is great. The headline from "What's Up?" <laughs> that <laughs> is stronger appetite for news curation leads to subscription rise at Dennis Publishing, and we've talked about Dennis Publishing a lot on this show, and certainly in workshops and with clients and all yeah. of that because they're very interesting company. If you ask Julian Thorne of Dennis Publishing why UK subscription revenues are up, he won't hesitate with the answer, opens up the article. Uh, he says, like many magazine publishers, we are seeing continued growth in our print subscription business, especially with titles such as The Week and Money Week, which are undoubtedly benefiting from the increased appetite for news curation and financial information, Thorne said in an interview with Magnetic Media UK. Curation has long been a challenge in our digital age, often cited as one of the most compelling features features of print magazines. Now, when news and information matter more than ever, getting it from sources you trust is critical. Whether it's factual information, financial advice, or passion-based content, magazine audiences know what they want, and Dennis is delivering. The Week Junior has been our standout performer as it helps parents solve the problem of inspiring and engaging curious kids, at the same time not becoming too addicted to screens. 
Thorne adds, our latest The Week Junior subscription campaign, which includes a free download designed to improve children's health and well-being, is working particularly well. I should probably be doing this in an English accent because I'm sure that's how it was said. You should. You um, just missed a big anyway, opportunity. Anyway, <laughs> that did me. <laughs> the, uh, the, the article goes on uh, to talk about how this has gone on during the pandemic uh, and and ends, I think, with a really great uh, idea. Basically says, if you can give your audience, readers, and ad partners something they crave, you've found the sweet spot. So I know this is an article close to your heart. Uh, what's your take on well, this? Well, it, it, it follows on with what we were just saying. There's a huge opportunity to be the news resource or information resource for your industry. We're seeing that in two ways. The first off is is email subscriptions, where this curation model like you see in Morning Brew and the hustle and whatnot has really taken off. I don't know how long that'll last, but it is hot right now. And yeah. people are choosing. They're like, okay, I've got my two e-newsletters, the three e-newsletters a day, and that's one of them. Whatever. That's great. But I love this whole idea that and I have been, and you know I've made many predictions on this show, and most of them have been right, actually. <laughs> Well, one very notable wrong one. One no, 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 very no, no. notable talk wrong about one. that because okay. that is still right. in play. I don't care what that you're talking about. It is not in play. Apple will Good buy Lord. Disney. Good we Lord. all know this. We all see it. We all see it. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> you're, you're quoting the Geico commercial, yes? Please no, tell me you're Geico. quoting it's the Progressive. Oh, progressive, progressive, rather. Sorry, yes, yeah, progressive yes, insurance. My, yeah, it's I love so that's, great. That's my favorite set of commercials. For oh, progressive. I love that, that commercial Dr. so Rick much. Or whatever. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> um, here's where I think the opportunity is, and this is going to happen in the next couple of years. We are going to see membership models from various companies just boom, and they're going to lead with print. And I really didn't think this was possible. And then I, I listened to a podcast. I forget which podcast it was, but it was the founder of Digiday. And he was talking about his membership program started with receiving a print magazine. Mm. And of course there's membership programs, you know, AARP all over the, all over the place that start with a print publication. But I think everyone's thinking digital right now and rightfully so, but there is a huge opportunity here where I think people want that lean back experience. You're going to see, uh, people start to choose print again. I think you've even seen it with books. You've seen more and more and more um, print book sales over ebook sales. So I think that people want that touch and feel activity, and and you're going to see a lot of brands go that direction. So I, I just think there's a there's a huge opportunity. And my and my uh, printer right now is talking to me. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know what the I must have said something that my printer got really excited. Oh, probably because I'm is talking your- about print. Is your I would say as your your printer got all excited because you were talking about print, it's voice activated. Oh, it's unbelievable. So yeah, that's yeah. that's where I love this model. And I think that if you're a marketer out there, if you're a media company, you really do have to look at the print medium as as an opportunity. And for and you're trying to say, oh, you're, if you're trying to say how do I monetize it? Obviously, if you're a brand, you can monetize it through loyalty, about creating better customers, whatever that membership program. But if you actually need to generate direct revenue off it, I think the membership model is in play with print magazines. Yeah, it's a it's a it's I would say it's, you know, for most companies, it is a high effort, high reward. Right. You have to really believe. Yes, um, you do. You have to you know, have you, faith. It's like Indiana Jones three, right? And he exactly. you have to believe that you're not going to fall to your death when you take that step. That's right. That's right. It's our second Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade reference. That's pretty good. Kid, do we yeah. have a third? We'll keep going. Let's yeah. see what happens. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what goes on here. All right, uh, it's really good stuff. So let's look at our last story here. Um, which is come to us courtesy of Digiday. Uh, this is something that I think is just fascinating and can personally attest to observing in my own work. Um, and the headline is, Nothing Makes Sense Anymore. What's Driving Ad Tech's Latest Consolidation Wave? Um, I love the image they chose, which is all of these bots sort of uh, in a police lineup, yeah, that's which pr- is that's just a fantastic. Great image. Really, really good. Um, the article opens up by saying the latest wave of consolidation is in full swing and it's scrappier than ever. 
Magnite, Spotx, Verve, Nextstar's digital platform for video apps, Smart App Server, Capital Croissants, LiveRamp, Data Fleets, District M, ShareThrough, Kubiant, Pubmatic, and now Viant. Those are just some of the more notable mergers, acquisitions, and IPOs that have occurred in recent months. In fact, the pace of deals has accelerated to a point that it's left some onlookers puzzled and for good reason. Investors, whether they're private or public, seem fine with big, initially costly consolidation of ad tech companies. This is largely because revenue growth, not profit, drive corporate value right now. That's a key sentence. Uh, Put another way, it's as if investors forgot that ad tech is steeped in a lot of uncertainty right now. Take Credio. Uh, is valued now at $1.9 billion. A year ago, Credio's stock crashed to a 52-week low after Google said it would block the cookie the ad tech vendor uses to retarget people in the Chrome browser. Google still intends to make its move sometime next year, and as it stands, no one has a viable alternative yet. Credio is worth more today than it was a year ago. As Rotko Vitakovic, founder of the ad tech consultancy AdProf, said, nothing makes sense anymore. Uh, the article goes on to say there's just a lot of consolidation happening. Uh, some examples of this, basically ad tech uh, really going through a fundamental transformation right now. What say you, Joe Polizzi, about this article and about the what's going on? I think you're going to see more of it. We've talked about it already. You have what I see as rampant inflation. You have no, you have money is cheap, almost free in some cases. And you're seeing, of course, we've talked about the rise of SPACs on this show as well, where you're getting a lot of companies that are just purchasing these things up and picking them off. It, it's happen, It's not just happening in ad tech, right? It's happening in all tech. Uh, and if you just have to figure out this, you know, the the guy's talking about strange times we live in here with doesn't understand what's going on. All you need to do to see where we're at in society is to look at the value of Tesla is greater than the next nine automobile manufacturers. That's right. And that's all about growth and what's happening next. And it's not about profitability. It's not about. Uh, valuation, none of that's on the table right now. People are paying for growth because you can take, in this environment, you can risk it. And it's not going to cost you as much as it used to. So, I don't know. What, I mean, you, you're you close to a lot of this tech. What do you think? Yeah, well, you've heard, I mean, you've heard me rant and rave around the first party data and yeah. and the you know the the my my rants and raves on programmatic advertising and how I think it's you know not long for this world etc and I think it's happening it's definitely happening the you know sort of I think you know one of the one of the things I've been saying recently is you know this whole idea of first party data the disappearance of the cookie surveillance based marketing you know programmatic uh the end of you know really the efficacy of programmatic and there's tons of research on this by the way out there folks you know for everything from you know how much programmatic traffic is bot driven how much of it is fraud how much of it is there's just i mean it's it's just really and by the way the sort of fundamental um you know sort of uh you know, idea, the flaws in looking at tracking via cross platforms and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, all of that to say, I think you're exactly right. This is, this is a market that's in turmoil. It's a, it's a, it's a class of the industry that has long been loved by Wall Street. And I think you just have a lot of institutions sort of still trying to figure out how to love it. You know what I mean? It's like they're squishing around the giant you know, toy saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm going to hold you, hold you, hold you forever and ever and ever and ever. And, and, you know, now the stuffing's coming out of the toy, right? And at some point the toy has to go away. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's basically it. The toy goes away. What I love is how all of these ad tech companies are now really trying to, uh, reposition themselves, right? Um, because now the thing that Google hath brought, which was the cookie and the ability to do, you know, the, the cross tracking, um, and targeting across those things is now taking away. So many of the ad tech companies are going now look at Google as a frenemy, right? You know, because, you know, so what the, so if you go to, for example, Critio's website, it's just classic. 
the the leading the, their their new tagline is the leading advertising platform for the open internet. You know, which is just a you know, it's just a slight little shade they're throwing there at 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 you know, Facebook and 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 Google and 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 I'm sure Apple um, to some degree. Which is basically saying, you know, Critio was built on the open internet and believes in the opportunity, choice, and freedom that it offers to everyone. As long as we can set a cookie on your browser and track you everywhere. We, no, no, it doesn't say that, but it should say that. Dun, it's like, dun, 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 yeah, so. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, I really want to play some music behind that. It's really, really good. So, um, you know, where do I think this is all going? I think this is a really interesting time um, for ad tech because I do believe now that the guy that we had in the you know main chair has now left the building um, and we are all sort of you know starting to get out of this whole focus on COVID and all of that I do believe that privacy trust third first party data and all of that is going to become much more prominent in our focus as marketers I just think our attention has been elsewhere, you know, sort of keeping the lights on for a long time. So we haven't really paid a lot of attention to this whole programmatic display, uh, first party data challenge. And I think it now becomes a little more focused. I'm certainly seeing it in our clients where they're, you know, the whole direct to consumer, the whole media network stuff that we talked about, all that stuff is really, you know, driving a lot on of the this. table now. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Totally so, so that. that's what I think. Good. Yeah. Good, good, good. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, it is now time for your empirically proven favorite part of the show, which is, of course, our rants and our raves section. And that's when Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like fleeing off to Cancun or makes us feel like staying here in the cold winter tundra. Uh, actually, it's not that cold today here in Southern California. It's about 72, I oh, think. Oh, yeah. You 72 stink. and sunny. <laughs> Shut up. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Did I tell you? I did. I tell you about the weather person who came on the. This was like last week where they came on the weather and they went, you know, here's the weather forecast. And it was just like 71, 71, 71, 71, 71. It's like every day was going to be 71 degrees. It's like, and the, and the, and the, and the weather person goes, yeah, that's kind of it. That's basically just they, they showed that thing, and he was like, "That's kind of done. We're well, done." It's, 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 it's good for you, but some of us don't like to live in the Truman Show like you do, with with every day being exactly the same. Don't let a light fall on your head. Uh, there's there's yeah. so many more reasons that I live in the Truman Show. You don't even know, but but yes. All right. Um, me, do you want to go, go first? Let yeah. me go first because you have a, yeah. a rant, and we. All, I have a very short rant. Yeah. I have a very short rant. Well, this yeah. is a short. This is a short uh, rave here. So yeah. uh, our friend uh, Jeremiah Aoyang sent me this. This is from Rolling Stone magazine. This is a rave, and uh, and I'm going as you know. I'm going down the non fungible token rabbit hole, if you will. I mean, I've been totally reading up on it. I'm crazy about it. Uh, I think that there's a huge opportunity here. This this article is Portugal the Man, Why Cryptocurrency is the New Rock and Roll. Uh, do you know Portugal the Man, the the, the band? I I've, do not. I, I, I do not either. I wasn't aware of it. Uh, not, not important to the story. But basically, they talk about how they've been looking for a loyalty program and some kind of membership for their fans, but they didn't want to do something that felt swarmy. And they're like, well, what do we do? And they went and launched their own uh, cryptocurrency called the PTM coin. Uh, and so it says, and I'll read this part, uh, in partnership with our fans and unknowingly became the first rock band to launch our own social token. There's no fees or dues. As a fan, you are part owner of the community and even earn rewards for participating. You don't have to know anything about crypto to participate. It takes less than a minute to buy PTM coin. Uh, and then it says those that hold at least 10 PTM coin gain access to the audio archive and rolling list of benefits and experiences, including text and video chats, co-viewing experiences, access to new merch and more. So first, a couple points here. NFTs are taking off like crazy. Everyone's going to start their own token. We'll see how that pans out. I mean, if you haven't been paying attention to what the NFTs have been doing on, um, well, this this isn't really NFT, but there's there's two parts. One, this is social currency that we're talking about here. On the NFT side, it's taking off with crypto, punks, 
and NBA top shots and those things are just taken off. We talked about that a little bit last week. I like this membership content membership idea with the coin, Robert, because mm-hmm. I think I think that you can roll out a content that you've used in the past but haven't been able to bring forward and what Jeremiah calls B-roll content. And you can put these exclusive things together for your fans and you can have uh, have it on your Discord server or you can send them, you got an old separate email list and sort of the coin brings it all together. So the more vested you are in the community, the more coins you can get, then they be actually become a little bit valuable. If you want out of the community, you could sell them. If you want more, you can buy them. I don't know where it's going to go. I'm intrigued with it. Uh, it's a whole different type of content membership tied to the blockchain. So... I'm going to keep talking about it because I think there's something yeah. here for create for content creators. You load 16 tons and what do you get? Another day older and another in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me because I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. That's what it is. It's company script. Basically. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'm so happy I let you finish that. <laughs> my life is better for it now. Is it? Company's great. That's Tennessee Ernie Williams right there. Woohoo. Well, yeah. you would, yeah, you would, you would know. You guys are the Tennessee same age, Ernie Ford. You? Sorry. Tennessee Ernie Ford. Tennessee <laughs> Ford. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, company store. It's what it is. It's company script. It's basically issuing currency that you can only spend in the company store. That's exactly so, right. That's exactly so it's, what's uh, happening. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's going to be really interesting. I think you'll see a lot of brands start to do this uh it won't just be bands yeah, you'll be, have Nike. it'll be all kinds of bands. yeah you'll have yeah. yeah everybody everyone i don't say everyone a lot of people are going to do it we're just at stage one so we'll see where it goes but it only it only if you have a vibrant community and that's yeah, how exactly. you're, you're uh, you know evaluating it's the oil. gift it's the it's the next step of the gift card right yes. it's the next step of your you know your itunes gift card is basically issuing currency that can be held in a blockchain and and you can spend it in the company store. Well, yeah. So, it, yeah, it's 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 a fan club, but you actually that actually has some value that you can trade. That's that's right. Part. That's right. It'll be interesting when a big brand does this. Some of the financial regulations that have held true for gift cards and the way that they recognize revenue from those things, it'll be that'll be a fascinating. Well, I think that's why you have challenge. to watch it. These aren't ICOs uh, or initial coin offerings here. They're they're. You trade yeah, it for but it's real money. Only. It's real. It's real money, well, it and it's worth, real. It can be but it's money. fake income until it's actually turned into real money, right? So it's it's it'll be interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not an expert on that area yet. Exactly. This could be a new tax area. There you go. Okay. All right. Uh, I have a very quick little uh, rant here. Um, mostly, I just want to link to this story because I think it's important. It just sort of continues on what we've been talking about all show long. Um, it's from CNN.com, actually. Um, and it's a really good article, I think, thought-provoking article. The headline is, The World Wide Web May, as we know it, may be ending. Um, and as it opens up, it says, Europe is floating regulation that can impose temporary bans on U.S. companies that violate its laws. The U.S. was on the verge of banning TikTok and WeChat, through the, though the new Biden administration is rethinking that move. India did ban those two apps, as well as dozens of others, is now at loggerheads with Twitter. This month, we had Facebook, you know, clashing with the Australian government. Basically, the article goes through there and starts to talk about all these territorial, regional agreements that are getting made and could end up splintering the Internet into, you know, smaller, uh, you know, national, regionalistic um, and other types of, of, of splinter nets, as, as the term would be. And I've ranted on this before with the, you know, um, with all of the open, inter- the true open Internet, when we start talking about bandwidth caps and, and you know, sort of bandwidth uh, prioritization um, and, and all of that, which is now also starting to come back now that the new administration is here. Something to pay attention to, um, something to really pay attention to as marketers, as audience builders is... As we start to see, as we saw with some of our small company friends, media company friends that got banned, you know, were part of the, you know, sort of explosion, as it were, um, in Australia, where their site went, you know, their place went completely offline and saw traffic decreases as a, as a result of that. Um, there's there's a, a real thing to pay attention to here, too, in terms of, re- you know, legislation and everything that's that's really happening here to 
really think this through, think this through in the right way. So we have we have a vested interest in it, and I'll put it that way. And that's it, really. It's going to get crazy. It's going to get nutty. Oh, it's it's going to get nutty. Nutty is a good way. 20, nutty is. 2021, the year of 20, the nut. The, the, <laughs> there you go. That's it. That, that didn't come out right. Okay. That's it. Where are this you? It's a family where, where, show. Okay. Where, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was, yeah. Uh, there's a joke right there that I'm not going near. There's too I'm not going to go near there. that joke. Where, uh, where are you this week? Uh, well, I got my, my digital summit at home. Well, I'll be in my lounge chair yep. doing my keynote today. Um, yep. But uh, we're just, you know, still hanging out, waiting for the weather to break, doing our thing. You know, I've got a lot of more speaking gigs coming up and things. I know you do as well, right? You got tons I have of stuff a, coming up. Yeah, I have a few. It's starting to get into that season. Yeah, it's starting to get into that season. A lot of it, um, you know, um, of the at-home stuff. And I'll be following you, uh, following your brilliant keynote, I'm sure, at the Digital Summit at home later today. And Maybe and then, I'll have uh, a pipe yeah and i'm finishing cmi university and i will tell you this i'm feeling mighty proud of myself i'm just i'm just gonna puff out my chest a little bit here that's one 300 350 slides later um seven hours of video that i self-produced um is coming to a conclusion so i'm i'm almost done with it so it's oh my gosh that's amazing it's amazing congratulations It's, it's, it's big yeah it's it's big it's a big accomplishment all right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. We are signing off. Uh, if you want to get all the goodness of this podcast, the show notes, the links, all the wonderful stuff we talked about, or dive, quite frankly, into any of the other 259 episodes, just head on over to our wonderful website, won't you? Thisoldmarketing.site. We want to thank the good folks at Radix for powering our thisoldmarketing.site. And of course, you can get your own .site at Radix. Uh, And until we meet again, well, just remember, folks, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Market. 